Good morning. Please go ahead and be turning in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. Good morning and welcome to the New York City Church of Christ. It's great to see you this morning. Twenty-one years ago was one of those days where you knew exactly where you were when the Twin Towers were attacked. September 11, 2001, the world not only changed for America, but for the world. Many lost their lives here in New York, in Washington, D.C., at the Pentagon, and in Shanksville, Pennsylvania. 2,977 people were killed. The 9-11 attacks remain the deadliest terrorist attack in world history. I'd like for us at this time to go ahead and stand up. Please stand up where you are if you're able. And I'd like for us to observe a moment of silence. And let us pray for the families of those who loved loved ones and for God to continue to comfort them. It seems just like yesterday. So let us be quiet. Holy God, we know that you are sovereign. We know that nothing happens in this life unless you allow it. And Father, a lot of times when we go through tragedies, we question your goodness. We wonder where you are. We ask ourselves questions because we're trying to understand what is going on. Father, forgive us for the times that we question. I pray that today's lesson would help us to get to know you better, to help us to understand events around us. We ask you that you continue to comfort all those who have lost loved ones and who loved lost loved ones on 9-11 and even subsequently as a result of those Twin Towers been attacked, and in Pentagon and in Pennsylvania. We just ask you, God, that you continue to comfort all the families. Comfort us in here, Father. Thank you for being a good God. Thank you for allowing us, Father, to know you. We ask and we pray all this in the precious name of 
the Son Jesus. Amen. A few weeks ago, I started to talk about the call to follow Jesus. On Wednesday night, I spoke to us about the call to pray without ceasing. God chose you and I to be a part of his church and to be in his church. We did not choose him. He chose us. And again, I encourage you to take good notes. And I'm going to put up just one Bible verse today. And like you noticed on Wednesday night, I was just giving the references. And I'm going to continue to do that. Because I want you to open up your Bible. And I want you to turn to your Bible. Amen? I walked in this morning. And I saw these steps. And I thought, Oh Lord, lead me not into temptation. Because you know what? Now I can come down. A lot easier. Those of you at home, I say, Hey, Richard, you walk out of the frame. Well, if you come to church, you're going to see me. Because we don't have somebody behind the camera. But it's good to see you guys. So this morning, I want to talk to us about the call to persevere and to finish the race. The call to persevere and to finish the race. Hebrews chapter 11. And I'm going to start reading from verse 32. Hebrews 11, beginning in verse 32. The Hebrew writer writes, And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell you about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured and refused to be released so that they might gain a better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging, while still others were chained and put in prison. They were stoned. They were sawed in two. They were put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, and in caves and holes in the ground. They were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. God had planned something better for us, so that along together with us, would they be made perfect. Chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, 
who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning his shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In your struggle against sin, you have not resisted to the point of shedding your blood, and you have forgotten the words of encouragement that addresses you as sons. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. And do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Because the Lord disciplines those he loves and punishes everyone he accepts as a son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? And I'll stop there for now. The call in Hebrews chapter 11 and Hebrews chapter 12 is to remember the many Christians, the many people of God that have gone before us. And the Hebrew writer is making the point Look at all these guys. They were successful. They persevered through life. They went through a lot. But he says, look at them. They made it to the end. They finished their race. And their names are in here to encourage you and me. That despite what we are going through, even in our own lifetime, Brothers and sisters, it cannot be compared to what some of our ancestors went through. It says here that some of them were sawed in two. Some of them were tortured for the faith. They were flogged. They were stoned. They were hiding in caves. Why? Because they professed the name of Jesus Christ. And in beginning chapter 12, it says, since we are surrounded by all these witnesses, it says, let us throw off every kind of sin that may hinder us and weigh us down. And it says, let us run this life, this race called life, with perseverance. It says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. He says, consider him who endured such opposition from sinful man, so that you and I will not grow weary and lose heart. And then it goes on to say, by the way, you haven't yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And he says, we can't forget the scriptures that calls us sons and daughters of God. That if anything, part of life is that God is going to discipline us. When we face challenges, when we face trials, God is trying to get your attention. God is trying to get mine. I know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask. Is there anybody in here who loves to be disciplined? I don't. You remember when you were a kid? 
and you did something wrong, and your mother would say to you, wait till your father gets home. And then they come home, and she tells what you did, and your father looked at you. My generation, we used to get a whooping. Okay? A lot of us in here got whoopings. My mother would say, you know, go out to the market. Go buy the switch. And don't you come back in here with some little flimsy thing. She would actually give me the money to go to the market to go buy my own cane. And then I would bring it back. And she would sit there. That thing was long. And she said, stretch out your hand. And if you move, I'm going to start again. I didn't love those disciplines, but I remember them. Nobody likes discipline. But the scripture says God will sometimes discipline us for our own good. Amen? The Hebrew writer is encouraging you and me to hang in there. That if these guys could go through all this stuff, you and I can too. And he says the key to doing this and not growing weary is keeping your eyes on Jesus. That is the key. That has always been the key. You know, on a day like this, we're always looking for answers. And I want us to read this passage. This is James chapter 1. This is the only one I'm going to put up there. James chapter 1, and it's beginning in verse 12. It says, blessed is the one who perseveres on the trial. Because having stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Now watch this. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. Get this. For God cannot be tempted with evil. Nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desires has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Brothers and sisters, when terrible things happen, we have a tendency to question God and to question God's goodness and to want answers. First, I'm going to say this. Events like 9-11 should wake us up to the presence of evil. This passage starts off by saying, blessed are those who persevere under trial. It says, after standing the test, we will receive the crown of life. Can I get an amen? That blows my mind. I don't even understand what that is. But I'm looking forward to it. I hope you're looking forward to it. That God has promised to those who love him. You know, Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey what I command. 
One of these days, I'm going to talk about the call to obedience. That's what this is. Are you with me? We're going to receive a crown of life because that is what God has promised to those who love, quote-unquote, and obey him. Amen? There's a huge reward at the end of this life. And now goes on to say, for God cannot be tempted by evil. Nor does he tempt anyone. You and I know that God created a perfect paradise in Genesis chapter 2. I'm sure you've read it. It was perfect. And then the devil showed up in Genesis 3 and messed everything up. Now you say, well, Richard, Genesis 2 talks about how in the, in, 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 in the Garden of Eden, there were two trees. There was the tree of life, and God told Adam, you can eat anything you want in this place. But as a matter of fact, you see this one over here, the tree of good and evil? Don't eat of its fruit. And he said to him, the day you eat of it is the day you will die. And no wonder Satan shows up. In Genesis chapter 3. And tempts them. With the one tree God told them. Not to eat from. So let me ask you. In Genesis 3. Who tempted Adam and Eve? It was the devil. It wasn't God. It wasn't God. This passage says God cannot be tempted with evil. The 9-11 terrorists. Is that God or is that Satan? This passage tells me it's the devil. I know some of us, and I knew exactly where I was. On that day, it was on a Tuesday. I was in Lagos, Nigeria. I just come back from staff meeting. And I turned on the news that it was my custom as I was eating to watch the news. And there it was. And I was in shock. Trying to get brothers and sisters here in New York on the telephone. But you see, those attacks were done by evil people. Well, you see, unfortunately, many people get angry at God when he's not the one that did this. You say, well, Richard, he allowed it to happen. Yes, that's a totally different thing. Okay? Remember, this, we live in a fallen world. This ain't heaven, people. I'm going to keep saying it. This ain't paradise. Satan is in control of everything in this world. That is why we need God. That is why we are Christians. Amen? And so, when tragedies happen, who do you blame? I have to admit, when tragedies happen in my life, 
and the lives of my loved ones. There are times I've blamed God. There are times I've been angry at God. But the more I think about it, I say, you know what? Father, I'm sorry. Father, forgive me. This was not you. God, the Bible tells me, cannot be tempted with evil. Now, God will test you. There's a difference. He tested Abraham in Genesis 22. You can go read that in your, in your spare time. But God cannot be tempted by evil. But no matter what it is that we go through, we need to hang in there. Amen? 9-11 was evil. That's what James 1 tells me. But God wasn't responsible for it. We were attacked by Al-Qaeda. And their leader was Osama bin Laden. And he was killed many years ago. Again, I remember that day. It was on a Sunday. I'm watching 60 Minutes like I always do. And there was, there, there was an interruption that, oh, the president is going to be saying something. And instantly I knew. I came out of my bedroom and I looked down. Sarah was in the loft. Sorry, in the, in the uh, living room. And I said, I think Osama bin Laden is dead. Because how do you know that? I said, the president is about to come on. It's got to be something that big. And obviously it came on. And that was the news. And I remember dropping my kids off the following morning. And from there, I went straight to Walmart. And I went and bought myself an American flag. Plus the hooks. And I came and I stuck it next to the garage. I was like, yes, they got him. Because that was evil. Amen? But God wasn't responsible for that. It was Satan all the way. True, there are many things in this life we will never find answers to. There are many things in this life that you and I will totally understand until we get to the other side. Are you with me? I don't know about you. I'm good with that. There are a lot of things I don't know. There are a lot of things I want answers to. That God, in his wisdom and in his, in his, in his mercy, didn't even write in here. Sometimes Christians will ask me, how about this, Richard? How about, I don't know. My name ain't God. When you cross over, you can go ask him. Are you with me? Well, you see, you can't sit here and be looking for answers for everything. You're going to be very frustrated. Because there, there are a lot of things that God has chosen not to tell us. Amen? You know, in Genesis 1, we read, our account, we read the account of the creation of the world. Okay, and it's not our seven days. Because again, the sun wasn't created until day four. God's day. Are you with me? I had a brother say one time, and I think there's a lot of truth to this. That if God had created us first, you and I would have been telling him how to do it. <laughs> because we really are, we are very arrogant and prideful people. But obviously he knows that. And that, that's why you and I were created last. Like, be quiet. I know what I'm doing. Look at all this stuff. When I created it, I didn't consult you. Now, you are not going to start telling me what to do and how to do it. Come on, be quiet already. Are you with me? But God calls us to persevere. 
Alright? I mean, I've, ask yourself this question. Some of us in here were parents, and your kids are well, they're healthy. How come your kids are healthy? And some other parents are going through some really tough physical challenges with their kids. I've said it before in private, and I'll say it again. Some of us in here, we have, spe- we have, we have needs with special needs. You guys are heroes. You know why? God doesn't give those kids to just anybody. You're very, very special people. God doesn't give those kids to just anybody. And remember again, God is sovereign. He doesn't, he doesn't make any mistakes. Are you with me? But you see, those of us that have healthy kids... We need to be thankful that our kids are healthy. That they don't have any special needs. And be grateful for what God has given to us. So that we can raise them up to know him and to love him. Are you with me? But God cannot be tempted with evil. So let's stop blaming God for 9-11. Or the evils in this world. We shouldn't. Satan is the one we need to be mad at. Amen? And the way you get mad at Satan is not just to, you know, be mad for be mad sake. Obey God. That's how you do it. Well, I'm going to live my life based on this. I'm going to do exactly what God says to do. Because he wants me to do the opposite. Just like he succeeded in doing with Adam and Eve. Are you, are you with me? I've got, to keep, I've got to keep this thing going. Romans chapter 5. Turn to Romans chapter 5. I promise you, I was going to throw up one scripture up there in terms of the words. Here we go. Romans chapter 5, beginning verse 3. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. Amen? I love this passage. The trials you and I experience in life, brothers and sisters, are designed to teach us perseverance. There is no other way to grow in perseverance. You and I will not learn perseverance in comfortable surroundings. It, it doesn't work. Perseverance is vital to growing in your faith. It really is. God wants his people to persevere no matter what happens. Brothers and sisters, we have two choices when faced with hardship. We're either going to trust God and keep our vision on him or quit and abandon hope. Those are the only two choices we have with everything we go through. We either trust God and keep our eyes on him or we quit and abandon hope. Brothers and sisters, we got to keep our eyes on the finish line. Amen. 
You got to keep your eye on the finish line. Where's the finish line? It's heaven. And one day you and I are going to cross over. Amen? Very, very important. The school, excuse me, the, the kids went back to school this week. Okay? And uh, many of them had their first day of school. I believe it was Wednesday. And I heard on the news, some 15-year-old kid was shot in some park that afternoon. And my heart just went out. To that, that kid's parents. I can't imagine what that must feel like. And I hope we're praying for those parents. They send their kids to school in the morning and they didn't make it back home. On the news, they didn't even tell us whether it was a boy or a girl. All they told us was the age. We live in an evil world. We live in a fallen world. But we've got to keep our eyes on the finish line. In James chapter 1, in verse 2, James chapter 1, go and turn there. James chapter 1, in verse 2, it says, Consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops Perseverance. There it is again. Verse 4. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. The Greek word for persevere is epimeno. Epimeno. It means to hang in there. It means to persist in something. It means to insist on something. Amen? He says, we got to persevere. As a matter of fact, he says, we should consider it pure joy when you're going through trials. I don't know about you, I'm still trying to learn that. It is hard when you're in the middle of going through stuff to be joyful. It's difficult. It's not easy. But I believe God puts those things in our lives to drive us to our knees. Amen? Let's consider it pure joy. It's because the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Epimeno. You got to hang in there. Francis Typho lost in the semifinals of the U.S. Open. It's been a long time since we had a, a male American do great in all these tournaments and go very far. Now, you guys may remember Pete Sampras, Andre Agassi. Before that, Jimmy Connors, John McEnroe. I mean, those guys were always getting to the finals of all these major tournaments. And there's been a drought for a very long time. If anything, we didn't experience that job because on the female side, the, the Williams sisters were doing great. And so I was like, Francis Tyfer, who is this guy? He's an American. 
Oh, really? I need to start watching him then. And that's what I started to do. But he lost in the semifinals the other night. Five sets. He fought and persevered to the very end. And at the end of it, he was being interviewed. And he started to cry. Because I feel like I let you guys down. And I'm like, no, you didn't. You, you gave it everything you got. And he said, I promise you, I'll be back. And the crowd obviously was clapping for him and cheering for him. That's the spirit that we all need to have, especially as Christians. Amen? That we've got to persevere. We've got to keep fighting. Look down in James chapter 5. Just a, a few pages over. James chapter 5. James chapter 5 and verse 11. It says, as you know, we consider blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance. And I've seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. He said, who's Job? Go to the Old Testament. The entire book is just before Psalms. You can't miss it. Go read about Job. He says, you and I have heard of Job's perseverance. And if you go read that story, you know the story. As a matter of fact, let's read it. You've got your Bibles, right? Okay? Let's read it together. In Job chapter 1, I'm not making this stuff up. Job chapter 1, in verse 9, this is Satan talking to God. He said, does Job, God, fear for nothing? Satan replied, have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You have blessed the work of his hands so that his flocks and herds have spread throughout the land. Verse 11, but stretch out your hand and strike everything he has, and it will surely cause you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, very well then. Everything he has is in your hands. But on the man himself, do not lay a finger. Then Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. And you know what he did next? He killed all of Job's kids. They were having a celebration. And they all died. So let me ask you, who killed Job's kids? It was Satan. But yet, God gets blamed for it. You see, God has put a hedge around you. God has put a hedge around me. That nothing will come to you unless God allows it. You know, a lot of us, we have neighbors, and some of you even have dogs, and you have, you, you're taking them for a walk, and you put them on a leash. Satan is like on a leash. He wants to go this way. God says, mm. you don't go touch him. Not today. Maybe six months from now, but not today. And he comes and jumps at you. Mm. Not, 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 not hurt. Not today. That's what's going on. And so we've got to be very careful that we don't blame God for what Satan has done and is doing. Amen? And 
Later on in this passage, because of time, I need, I need to keep this thing moving. It says, Job did not charge God with wrongdoing by sin, by charging God with wrongdoing. That's amazing to me. That's amazing to me. He did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. Again, when bad things happen, we have a tendency to to blame God for our suffering. And so all I'm saying to us this this morning, church, is get mad at the devil. Amen? God is a good God. And he's he's, he's been a good God. And he continues to be a good God. He's been so good to you and me. Amen? Now, that doesn't mean we shouldn't, you know, look at our past and, and come to terms with our traumas and stuff like that. We need to. But I believe it starts from you understanding who caused your pain. It wasn't God. It was the devil. And the place you begin to fight him is by obeying God and living your life according to the scriptures. Amen? Yes, Hank Aaron. Opening day, baseball, 1945. The Milwaukee Braves visited the Cincinnati Reds. Two rookies made their major league debut that day. The Reds actually won 9-8. to eight. A guy named Jim Greengrass hit four doubles in his first big league game. That was a sensational debut for a young player with a made-for-baseball name. The other rookie started in left field for the Milwaukee Braves. He went zero for five. That wasn't a great start to a career for one Henry Hank Aaron. 23 years in the majors, 755 home runs, 2,297 RBIs, 6,856 total runs batted in, singles, doubles, triples, and home runs. He's in the Hall of Fame. Brothers and sisters, it's not how you start, but how you finish. It's not how you begin, but how you finish. He went all on five on his debut. The other guy I just mentioned, Jimmy Greengrass, I didn't even know who he was until I went and looked it up. Because I wanted to use Hank as my example this morning in terms of hanging in there. That is how you finish, not how you begin. Are you with me? I don't know who the, I don't know who that other guy is. And so it's very important that as we go through life, that we keep our eyes on the finish line. God has so much more in store for us. And his plan for us that struggles and hardship become blessings and rewards if we persevere. Perseverance refines our character. Character gives us hope, and hope does not disappoint us. Amen? In 1 Chronicles chapter 16, 1 Chronicles chapter 16, beginning verse 8. 1 Chronicles 16, beginning verse 8, says, Give praise to the Lord. Proclaim his name and make known among the nations what he has done. Sing to him. Sing praise to him. Tell of all his wonderful acts. 
glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Verse 11. Look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. Amen? Brothers and sisters, we must look to God daily for strength. That's why we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. That is where our power should come from. That even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because God is with me and God is in me. His rod and his staff will comfort you. Amen? That's why David was able to say at the beginning of Psalm 23, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Amen? You got to look to the Lord and his strength. You got to seek his face always. Again, we all know Isaiah 40. Isaiah 40 in verse 31. Isaiah 40 verse 31. It says, but those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not grow faint. Brothers and sisters, I don't know what you're going through this morning. I don't know what you've been through this week. But God will renew your strength. He hasn't forgotten you. You are his child. He's got your name. He's got my name imprinted on his hand. That's what the Bible teaches. Are you with me? Yes, when we're going through stuff, we feel like, man, I'm just by myself. Nobody gets it. God gets it. Amen? Yeah, other, my, other people around you may not understand. But he does. Let your strength come from that. We got to be careful, brothers and sisters, that we're not looking to other humans to do for us what only God can do. Amen? You're going to be very frustrated. Because as far as I know, there, there, there's nobody in here whose name is God. Okay? I know some people call themselves Jesus. I know some people call themselves the Messiah. But the Messiah that you and I serve is in heaven, seated on the right hand of God. And one day it's going to come back that way. Are you with me? So if anybody here, oh, this, this person is Jesus over here. He's doing this. The Bible says don't listen. There are a lot of false Christ that will rise up. He's warned us already. But we've got to make sure that every day we're renewing our strength. Amen? It was a rough week for me. I had to say a lot of prayers. I shared at midweek that we found a place and we made an offer and they accepted it. And uh, after the lesson, Sarah was telling me that I said, oh, we paid more than the asking. I meant to say it backwards. We paid less than the asking. Okay? I, I do have the, the stuff clear. I can't even pronounce the word. Every, every once in a while, it shows up. I am dyslexic. Okay? But it's been so frustrating this week, dealing with these lawyers. I want to buy. I got the money. The seller wants to sell. He's ready. He's like asking me, when, are you, when, 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 when do you want me to move out? The lawyers are saying, oh, it's going to take 90 days. 90 days to do what? I, I don't understand that. 
It makes no sense. And I just said, okay, Lord, okay. Father, give me patience. Ooh. Father, help me. I don't, I don't understand it. Whatever it is you're going through, whatever it is I'm going through, God is trying to teach me. Amen? Oh, the closing is going to be about an hour and a half. Doing what? I said, my two previous closings, the longest one was 25 minutes. All we're doing is signing papers and initialing stuff. Why should that take an hour and a half? Oh, this person is going to be there. I was like, really? It was a title agent and my wife and I. That was it. Why, why do we need these people in here? Well, they, they're charging you money. It's not like this in the, in the South, in Georgia or in Texas. All these people around here, man, they want to make their, they want to make their buck. Do, do I look like Bill Gates to you? Uh-uh. But again, I'm just, I'm just sharing my frustration this week. And again, I thank you for your prayers. Because that prayer is an answer to prayer. And it's right here in Brooklyn. You see, my Bible says, you trust God, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Amen? Daisy had told us, when we told her, you know, we, we, need, to, we, need, we need to start looking, we want to buy something here. And she said, you know what? In the past, there have been several disciples when, you know, they want to finally buy their own house, that they pray that they will, God, God will lead them to somebody that, that's not really needing the money. And so I said, sister, thank you. And that's exactly what we started praying. And so I wasn't surprised when we offered the guy $20,000 less. And he said, I'll take it. And we did the inspection the day after. And there's nothing wrong with the place. I mean, the guy really took care of the place. Very, very cosmetic stuff. I mean, cosmetic. Okay, we got to paint this. That's, that's about it. We've got to put a, a, a screw in here. I'm, I'm talking. The place is perfect. But, you see, that was what we were praying for. Because I don't like headaches. And I'm not handy. Some of you guys are handy. All I can do is hammer something in. That's about it. Okay, you can laugh at me. It's okay. So when I need to fix anything, I call brothers up. Because I'm not handy. And there have been times I'm trying to nail something and I hit my, my nail. And I'm like, you, can't, you can't curse because you're a Christian. <laughs> I think that's God telling me, call somebody else. Humble yourself and get help. But you see, the place is in perfect shape because that's what we ask God for. It's a lot smaller than anything we've ever owned, but that's okay. You can only sleep on one bed at a time. I kid you not. You can only watch one TV at a time. But whatever it is you want your God to do for you, ask. Don't be afraid to be specific. Amen? Ask your God. Wait on him. He will renew your strength. 
That is where the power comes from. Amen? Hebrews chapter, Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 14. Hebrews 3 verse 14. It says, we have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. I'll read again. Hebrews 3 14. It says, we have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. The very end is the finish line, brothers and sisters. Amen? We all have a race to complete. I love watching athletics on television. Again, with long-distance races, you better have a strategy. Some people like to run from the front. Some people like to run in the middle with the pack. And then some people are from behind. I don't do long-distance running. Some of you guys are tremendous athletes. I salute you. When I was younger, all I could do was 100 meters. I couldn't even do 200. That's too long. You put your head down on your mark. Set. And bam! Before you blink, the race is over. I'm good. There's only one strategy in 100 meters. It's called fast. But you see, we got to hold on to our convictions firmly to the very end. Amen? We got to hold on to the convictions that we've built throughout the years. This happened on Thursday. Queen Elizabeth. 70 years on the throne. She's finished her race now. Why are you putting a picture up there? In Romans chapter 13, verse 1. You can write the reference down. Romans 13, verse 1. My Bible says, Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, he who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. This woman was on the throne for 70 years. 70 years ago, I was not even born yet. She saw 15 UK prime ministers served under her reign, as well as 14 US presidents. That's a lot of people. When she ascended the throne, guess who was the prime minister? Winston Churchill. It was right after World War, World War II. When Germany was drumming bombs on England and, and on London. That's when, that's when she ascended the throne. And get this. She wasn't meant to be queen. Her uncle... King George abdicated because he wanted, to marry, he wanted to marry an American, Debussy. And so her father became king. You think that was accident? That's all God and his sovereignty. Are you with me? 
And I have to be honest, when, when, when I heard the news, as a matter of fact, I saw her on Tuesday when the new, the new prime minister went to meet her. And I noticed that, man, she looks very frail. I noticed. That boy, she's lost a lot of weight and she looked very frail. And so on Thursday, when they came on and said, oh, you know, the doctors are saying, you know, whatever, I was like, oh, no. And she passed. She met my ancestor. I shared that with you guys before. When she visited Nigeria in 1956, she met my great-great-grandfather, the king. I had the picture. And I felt the sadness. Like, wow, somebody that met my ancestor that I didn't even know on this side of eternity is now gone. And I was watching, I believe it was, was it yesterday or the day before? They were having a service. And I grew up in Nigeria and in England when I was growing up. We would go to England on vacations. And so a lot of this British stuff, you know, um, I just know it. And at the end of that service, they sang the anthem. And now it's God save the king. And I just cried. When king, he's now King Charles. When he came to Buckingham Palace, he stepped out and he started, you know, he's shaking hands. And one of the announcers said, you know what? That's the first time ever that a king will come out and be meeting commoners. Because the last time it happened, there were no TVs, and those guys did not come out and mingle with anybody. And so I just started going, wow, we're witnessing and watching history. But again, God has allowed these people to be there because he put them there. And here's my comfort. Everybody, was she perfect? No. Every single ruler, every single head of state, every single president, they're all going to give an account of God one day. Okay? Guys, it's not easy being a leader. I'm going to say that again. It's not easy being a leader. Over here in Brooklyn, all we got is what? 200 and something? I can't imagine leading a nation of millions and trying to make everybody happy. It's not easy. Amen? But God allowed her to reign for 70 years. We're going to give an account. When she ascended the throne, here's what she said. I declare before you all that my whole life, whether it be long or short, shall be devoted to your service. And the service of our great imperial family to which we all belong. Boy, did she fulfill that duty till the very end. And so what I'm, what I'm asking us, when our time comes, are we going to fulfill our duty to God till the very end? Are we going to persevere and finish the race? I need to wrap this up. Brothers and sisters, when this life is over, when this life is over, we're not going to experience the second death. That's what it says in Revelation 2.11. We get a chance to eat from the tree of life. Amen? Revelation 2.7. We are going to be given the morning star. Again, I don't know what that is. You're going, 
When you and I get there, we're going to find them. We're going to find out. Amen? And then obviously in Revelation 22 verse 5, it says we're going to reign with Jesus forever. There's another passage that talks about how we're going to be able to sit together with him on his throne. That's exciting to me. That's why you got to keep your eyes on the finish line. Amen? It's going to be worth it. Walter Payton. Sweetness. One of the greatest football players of all time. He died at the age of 45. He's the second leading rusher in the NFL. It was his record that Emmitt Smith broke. He played for the Chicago Bears. As a matter of fact, every year if you follow football, the NFL names the trophy they give to a player every year that's doing a lot of uh, work in the community after him. He died at the age of 45. He needed a liver transplant. And he couldn't get one. I don't think his family are upset. I look at this guy every Sunday and every weekend playing his guts out while people are cheering. And when time came for somebody to donate their liver or part of their liver, nobody, nobody turned up. He died in 1999. Go look it up. Oh, I love to watch him run. He would hold the ball and then be high-stepping. I don't want to do that because I don't want to fall. He was bad. He was awesome. But see, he's, not, he's gone now. How come he died? And you and I are still here. Amen? Stop comparing your situation to that with other people. You have your race to run, I have my race to run. And guess what? You can't run somebody else's race. Amen? God created us all different. You're going to have your own things that you're going to have to deal with. I have my own. We get into trouble when we start comparing ourselves. How come God is blessing him so much? Aren't we supposed to be following the same Bible? As a matter of fact, yeah, I heard, st- I heard you got a raise of 50000 can I have some of that money? No. Go ask for your own raise from him. Now, if he wants to help you with some of his raise, that's, that's okay. But we are not entitled to stuff. We never were. Everybody has their own race. Everybody has their own burdens. Amen? The key to success is to get up every time you run. You know, Walter Payton, like I put up here, is one of the greatest running backs and greatest football players of all time. One day, Monday night game, the Chicago Bears against the New York Giants. The announcer observed that Walter Payton had accumulated over nine miles in career rushing yardage. Over nine miles in career rushing yardage. The other announcer remarked saying, yeah, and that's with someone knocking him down every 4.6 yards. 
Walter Payton knew that everyone, even the best, gets knocked down. The key to success, brothers and sisters, is to get up and run again just as hard. Life may be hard for you right now. Don't make the mistake of staying down. The sun will come up tomorrow. Take things one day at a time. Jesus never promised life would be easy. He never said life would be fair. He did promise, though, to always be there for us and to never leave us nor forsake us. Amen? Brothers and sisters, it's about perseverance. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. Amen? So I'm saying to you today, hang in there. You say, Richard, I'm hanging in there. I'm barely hanging in there. Even if you miss by the, by the tip of your fingertips, it's okay. Just hang in there. Just hang in there. Don't give up. It's not going to be worth it one of these days. Amen? That's what it's all about. Hang in there. Persevere and finish your race. Let us pray for the contribution. Father, we love you. We thank you for being a good God. We thank you for being a loving God. We thank you for all your blessings. Thank you for allowing your son to die in our place. We thank you for the redemption that we can have through his blood that was shared and his body that was broken for us. I pray, Father, that you will help us to persevere. I pray, Father, that every day we'll fix our eyes on you, that you will renew us through your spirit that lives inside of us. Thank you, God, for just being there for us on a daily basis. Thank you for allowing us to be here this morning. Father, again, we ask you that you continue to comfort those that are in mourning. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this time. We ask and pray all this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.